Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Athletics Life Stories with your host, Chris Broadbent. You recognize this, oh, Chris the Long Jumper or Andy the Hurdler. And, and then once you leave that world, it's gone. We need to make athletics more professional. I go to the football ground and I see 20,000 people coming out. I think I've just got 50,000 people. Yeah. Welcome to Athletics Life Stories with myself, Chris Broadbent. Today I'm joined by three-time Olympian Chris Tomlinson. Chris burst onto the scene by breaking one of the oldest British records when he took Lynn Davis's 34-year-old long jump record in 2002. He was a fixture of the international scene for a decade and more, winning European bronze, world indoor silver and finishing fifth at the Athens Olympics. The latter half of his career pitched him in a fascinating domestic rivalry with Greg Rutherford. Chris, it's good to see you. Yep, thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so my children just come in at the background <laughs> Sorry, a bit of background noise there yeah. hello there hello <laughs> welcome hello. to the whole family <laughs> hi hi there good to see you good to see you <laughs> that's your little dancing girl hi. yeah oh hi, hi. <laughs> there's a lot of your family here good so obviously back in the northeast now a domesticated family man chris Yes, uh, very much so. So I moved back to the North East in 2013 after the London, well, about six months after the... the... Should I go on the coach? So basically moved back in 2013 um, and then I had, I retired in 2016. And um, and then I started working in the sort of family business about six months after I retired. Oh right, okay, okay. I'll get on to more about that. Yeah, good. So you're you're back to your roots, then you're back in Middlesbrough. Uh, that's where you grew up, I take it, yeah. Yeah, that's where I grew up. So I grew up in Middlesbrough. Um, sort of born and bred here. Yeah. Moved up to Newcastle for a couple of years when I was 22, and then when I was sort of 24, 25, I then sort of moved out to London. Was down there for about seven or eight years, um, so I'm just moving out of the busy room, um, yeah. and then moved, and then moved up to Middlesbrough, um, where obviously I've been sort of basing myself sort of since then. 
Okay, okay. And what was your childhood like in Middlesbrough? Were you, were you quite a sporty kid? Uh, yeah, so I, I was, to be honest with you. I was, um, you know, I was always into sort of football, um, rugby, athletics, golf. Um, when I used to sort of go and do sort of general bit of public talking, um, I used to always say that it was always very important to try to do as many sports as you can as a youngster, because as you grow older, you realise that if you want to be, say, um, a good rugby player, then it helps to be fast. If you want to be a good footballer and you know you want to play midfield, you need a good set of lungs. So you, it, 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 it's going to help you to do middle distance. So it, it's a case of, I always think now, um, you, kids maybe specialise a little bit too early. And mm. I think you should try many sports as you can. So I was fortunate that, that I um, I literally just played all, all sports until I was probably into my early teens. OK, OK. But you, you must have shown some potential in athletics to carry that one on then. Yeah, um, I went to the, the Middlesbrough um, Schools 80 metre, I think it was, uh, championship back in, well, I don't even, I'm going to say 92 or something like that, <laughs> a long time ago. And I won that competition, so I meant I was the fastest in the town sort of when I was in year six. Yeah. Um, that showed some talent. And then it was actually 1996, I went to the English schools um, in the triple jump. And I was, believe it or not, I was only five foot six then. I think uh, I was a bit late, late hit, hitting the puberty. And um, <laughs> I, ma- I managed to win that competition, which meant I could represent England as a 14-year-old. And pretty much from that point onwards, I thought, OK, I'm maybe showing a little bit of talent here. Um, and maybe I could have a career in, in the sport of athletics. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you, your first... You- I was looking at your record there, and you first went over eight metres in 2001, didn't you, in a wind city? What do you remember about that? Um, yeah, so I I left college when I was 18, so that would be about 2000. And at that particular point, a lot of people were having gap years. So it was a case of, should I take a gap year um, and pursue my athletics or should I sort of go off to university and I chat with my parents and say look you know we'll support you if you want to live at home and, and uh, we'll support you for a year so I literally um, ate um, breathed trained just lived like a, an absolute athlete uh, for over a year and went from having a PB in 2762 uh, to 2001 jumping the wind assisted 819 so it really mm-hmm. kind of paid dividends for me Okay, okay, and I guess next year was a big breakthrough, wasn't it? You actually—that's when you got the British record at, at Loughborough, wasn't it? Of all places. Uh, yeah, well, it was actually in Tallahassee. It was in America. Tallahassee, was it? Okay, back. yeah. I, yeah, I jumped eight twenty-seven in Florida, uh, Tallahassee, mm-hmm. and then I came back. And then at the time, um, sort of my big rivals were Nathan Morgan, Jonathan Moore, um, and we we competed in the long jump together at Loughborough, and, and actually fortunately won that competition with uh, eight seventeen. So it sort of solid, it solidified my sort of my eight meter performances and and then that that allowed me to sort of look at it and say okay you know I, I'm a full-time long jumper now and the mm. sport was was probably I'd like to to say a hell of a lot healthier uh, financially back then so you really could have sort of a, a quite a, a, a decent living uh, even if you're sort of jumping over eight meters so certainly from that point onwards it gave me lottery funding but sort of probably more importantly it allowed me to sign with ASIC sports company and then get appearance fees and prize money on the circuit and, and um, travel all over the world. 
Yeah, yeah. You 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 obviously a bit, but you really broken through then. Did you have a did you have did you have a relationship with uh, Lynn Davis at all? You broke his long long term record, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously got to know Lynn relatively well over all my periods um, of competing in athletics and all the championships. And Lynn, Lynn, I believe, was the president of British Athletics for, for yeah. a period of when I competed. Um, but I wasn't as aware of the significance of the record when I broke it. It was just, you know, you're very young. You just kind of like, obviously, I knew the British record at the time was 823, but it was just a case of, oh, you're 823. And yeah, I, I just jumped it and everyone was like, great well done kind of thing but I didn't I didn't realize the significance of that particular record it just it just came came about very quickly yeah yeah uh, um, and then and that year you obviously went to the uh, you went to the Commonwealth Games Europeans finished sixth in both those um, yeah that's your first big event what was it like to actually because it's a very big step up from KP to you know the Loughboroughs and Bedfords of the world to going suddenly into a championship stadium how did you find that um, yeah, so to be honest with you, I was, I, I was disappointed um, with both the six before, with six at the Commonwealth and also the Europeans. Uh, I'd hoped um, to to win, win them. Uh, I think Nathan, my, my, my rival, actually won the 2002 Commonwealth. I'm not too mm. sure who won the Europeans. I think it might have been, been Iago Lamela, uh, which was unfortunately passed away. Um, and it, it was, you know, I, I certainly should should have done better uh, with those performances. Um, but I sort of lived and learned from them. And I, I mean, there was there was talk that I picked up Grand Jury Fever. I'm not too sure. Well, maybe maybe in hindsight, it was probably I, I'd made such a big breakthrough over the over the two years leading into it. I almost sort of burnt out. I think I, I finished my final competition with about seven and a half metres up in Scotland that season. And I was just I was done for and sort of ready mm. to, to start fresh the following year. Were you training with um, Peter Stanley at the time and Jonathan Edwards? Was he part of the same group, yeah? Yeah, that's correct, yes. Yeah. So I was very yeah. fortunate that um, I obviously grew up in Middlesbrough and Peter was, was based up at Gateshead Stadium and, and he watched, I think he watched me in 1996 at the English Championships and my coach at the time, I had a sort of sprints coach, local sprints coach called Brian Davison and my jump to coach was a guy called Alvin Walker. And he was actually a, a sort of a, a coach slash athlete at the time, and he sort of guided me in in, in the way of Peter, and and that sort of was it was a was a brilliant setup for me, and I was very fortunate that I managed to sort of you know stumble across Peter, and that was back in 1996, and I stayed with Peter until sort of 2008, in fact, so well over a decade. Right. So I'm sort of forever indebted that, you know, if it wasn't for Peter, that I probably wouldn't have, you know, pursued myself uh, as a long jumper. And did you, I mean, you had, I assume you had training sessions with Jonathan Edwards at the time. And, and yeah. You know, and, I mean, he was like one of the big top names at the time, Olympic champion, you know, trailblazing world record holder still is, I think. Um, yeah. Was that, what was that like? Was it just seeing him up close and personal? Uh, yeah, it was, we, we, we just sort of competed and, and uh, he, he he was obviously, you know, around. It was great to sort of get information and, and from him. Um, I think sometimes when you're young, you, 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 I was like a sponge. I tried to soak up as much information as I as I could, but I was very much sort of always wanting to to beat him or, um, at things. I mean, we never sort of we never trained sort of huge amounts. Uh, it wasn't sort of a, a day in day out, but we had a number of training sessions together. But I think when you're young, you maybe just you. you I certainly wasn't phased by anything at that particular moment in time. Um, mm. I think as you get older and you, you, you get more phased, not more phased, but I, I, I always remember when I was um, 
coming up through the ranks and Dalton Grant um, sort of said to me about young blood and he'll probably not even remember saying it, but it was something that sort of <laughs> rung true with, with me and I think sometimes like young blood and basically you're not scared of anything and uh, I think I was yeah. probably a bit like that I wasn't overawed by anything at that particular moment. Yeah yeah and your first Olympics was Athens uh, and yeah. that was you know, I mean you say young blood you it was a good Olympics for you wasn't it I mean to finish you didn't get a medal but fifth place and you're in the mix for it. Yeah I mean again you know I look back at a lot of my career with with, with sort of a lot of disappointment really um, I sort of I was fifth in the Olympics um in Athens, many people thought it was a good result at the time for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, first first place was Dwight, 860. Um, that was a great jump. Uh, second place was a guy called uh, oh, Moffat. What's his name? I can't remember. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think about athletics much now. <laughs> Moffat, cut long so short, he was out of the sport after a couple of years. He jumped sort of 847. A Spanish guy sort of fouled. The guy in front of me uh, got the bronze medal, but it was over the plasticine. And, fourth and fifth and then I kind of came in so maybe I could have done a little bit better um in that but it was there I, I I would have loved to have got on the podium but um wasn't to be okay 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 and then a, a couple of years later um you know still competing at international events the Europeans and Commonwealth and that's when Greg Rutherford emerged as well yeah. what was it like having a, a rival like that with Greg because you guys were you know, going head to head for many years after that yeah, yeah, no, it was good. I think it was sort of good for the sport. I, I trained with Greg um, in 2000 and well after the Beijing Olympics for for a number of years and and uh, yeah, we we trained under Frank Atto and it was you know we had, we had sort of a decent relationship at that particular point. Um, we, you know, I think one season I would be number one and then him and vice versa and then and then obviously sort of after London I I was kind of gave in the end and then he sort of obviously elevated himself and yeah that, that 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 was it but I mean I think it was good for good for the event certainly I mean you know when I first came in into the sport um into the, the event of long jump back in sort of the 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 early um I guess it'd be early noughties really 2001 mm. you, you're talking about sort of almost 30 years uh Lynn Davies record had been I think it was 34 mm. Um, had been around it, and there were very few people that were were jumping eight meters on a regular basis, and and suddenly we then sort of found um, ourselves that I was jumping eight. I think I jumped eight twenty five six seasons on the bounce, and obviously Greg jumped the eight twenties and the thirties, and we really we 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 really sort of elevated long jump at that particular moment, and you know mm-hmm. I, I think it was, there was a number of competitors, and I mean. You, you look at it, um, for example, JJ Jeggedy, who was around at the time, I think JJ jumped 8-11 and quite often would jump 8 metres, but he, he wasn't sort of uh, a name that many people would know because it was sort of myself and Greg who were sort of ahead of him at that particular moment, whereas nowadays if he was around, he would probably have, have a, a, a higher chance. Mm-hmm. OK, OK. OK, um, and uh, the next couple of years, I mean, you did well at the World Indoors and you got a silver medal at the World Indoors in Valencia. Yeah. Uh, okay. what, do you remember, what do you remember about that? Uh, yeah, so I'd sort of, I, I'd gone into the 2007 World Championships um, and it hadn't gone very well for me, cut a long story short. I should have should have done better and, and, I, and, mm. and I was on with that. And then I went into the World Indoors and I just, a few weeks before broken the British Indoor record, I, I don't know, I jumped actually, 817, 8.18. Um, and anyway, I got in the world indoors, and, and I, I jumped 
a decent enough jump early on, and then I think I backed that up and ended up finishing. I think I was I think I was leading for quite a few rounds, mm. and then um, the South African Godfrey Mukwena went ahead of me, um, and I ended up with a with a silver medal. Uh, it would have been nice, obviously, to have won that. Um, but again, I think I was probably sort of so focused on the next competition. Um, I didn't think too much about the actual um, <laughs> the, the, the silver medal. I think <laughs> what's up. <laughs> Disappointing as I always was, and was I oh, wish, wish I'd won, and now the Olympics in four months. Whereas maybe in hindsight, I, I look back and I might maybe have enjoyed my athletics career and, and moments like that a little bit more. But at the time, you don't. You always got one eye on the future. Yeah, yeah. It's never. I think. I think no matter what level you compete at, it's always you want a bit more, don't you? Yeah, you, you, it's very, it's very true. I think. Um, I, I think it's a, to be an athlete, you're always pushing and you're always wanting more, and, and, and you're almost like never satisfied. And I think it's what makes you an athlete. But then when, as a 41-year-old, when you look back and you talk about what you think, you know what, I should have enjoyed being in these 50,000, 60,000-seat stadiums and I should have been enjoyed enjoyed more being on the podium. And, but you don't, you sort of, you, you, you always kind of look at the what-ifs. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, it's intense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What um well I mean this is you sort of well into your career now and to the untrained eye you were quite a quite a raw long jumper you seem to be yeah. quite you know you just tore your way down the track long yeah. hair flowing in the wind there uh, I'm no I'm no I'm no expert on the on the technique of it but you look quite raw um did you ever feel like I need to, I need to sort this out or did you feel like that actually if you'd lost that rawness you might lose some of your ability as well. Yeah, what do you think? No, no, it's a fair comment. So I was uh, very sort of obsessed with trying to always improve my technique. Um, in essence, uh, to be a good long jump, it's all it's all about sort of how much speed you take off the board. Um, so how fast you can be on the runway and how much speed you fail to lose through the takeoff board, so not slowing for the board. Mm-hmm. Um now, I managed to sort of put my body in the right positions when it needed to be there. So I'd always, I, I was always very good technically from um, sort of running and taking off. It was just my flight and landing was a little bit disastrous, which is what, <laughs> the, which is what more the untrained eye would see. But if you looked at the sort of the speed that I had gone into it, I, generally speaking, I, I was OK. I probably just lost 15, 20, 25 centimetres on a number of occasions through my flight and landing. Um, but the big things ultimately is, you know, is not slowing for the board. And I could I could do some really lovely technical jumps. Um, but unfortunately, I'd jump about 750 because I never could put the, the real effort in with yeah. the tech 
it, ultimately, it's a bit like a golf swing, you know. You have to just get the timing just right. And for me, every time I really went for it, I just slightly lost the technique. And I mean, I, I certainly think by the end, by the latter part of my career, I, I really sort of, uh, probably 2011, 12, 13, maybe not at the London Olympics, but I got my, I, I really sort of got my, my technique better and I got it solid. And it was, you know, it's a relatively simple event and, and it's a relatively simple sport. And I managed to sort of get, get it get it more grooved yeah was there, was there ever a jump you did um you know i mean you're ever a jump you did in training or a foul where you really nailed it it could have been is there any any jump that sticks in your head you think i really nailed that i wish it was an official mark that. yeah no no it must I have been hundreds <laughs> no well the thing is a lot of people always sort of ask me you know what do you do how, how far is the biggest ever training jump and in all i mean i probably told told to heal um would have jumped in competition over all the decades, over all the jumps, including the no jumps, probably three, four hundred jumps over eight metres. I just was always eight metres over, total mm. heel. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough, I think I jumped eight twenty or more, like nine or ten seasons in a um, in total. But in training, I probably jumped eight metres four times, five times. I never would go close to eight metres, never, ever. Um, I was never a particularly good training jumper. I certainly wasn't someone who, you know, I, 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 who was, you know, great at training. I was, I was good. I was good when I competed. I think when I sort of walked out and in front of the big stadiums and and in the crowd. And what I always try to get, you know, I, I, I see a lot of my kids' football team and, and, and watching sort of the athletics now, and it's it's about finding an extra five percent. And it's about, you know, I, I always think that if you if you're jumping seven for me, if I was ever jumping seven seventy, seven eighty, toe to heel, um, so that's just that's effectively just how far you're jumping without taking takeoff board. If you're jumping seven seventy, seven eighty, you should always be able to find five percent through you know, rest leading into competition, through um your nutrition, um leading in leading in and just general adrenaline. Now if you can find that, what, what I've found over all the years, and you know, training, you know, I've been fortunate enough that I've trained with a guy who's jumped 18, 29. I've trained with a guy who's jumped 18, this is in a triple jump, 18, what's Christian's PB? 18, 19. And I've trained with a guy who jumped 17, 90. I've trained with a girl who's jumped 15, 30. I've trained with another girl who's jumped 15, 11. And the main thing is that you'd see a lot of them in training, they wouldn't necessarily be amazing. Maybe Yami would, would really push it on. But they would know how to raise the game for the competition. And a lot of people think it's in the head, but I think it's more about how you look after your body, how you prepare. You know, I mean, I would do sort of breathing exercises leading into it. I'd have, you know, ice baths. I'd have cold showers, warm showers. You know, make sure, sure that you're massaging. And, and make sure that when you go to a competition, you're mentally and physically as fresh as can be. Mm. It is that 5%. It's the difference between the likes of Jadel Gregorio, trip jump 1790, who wouldn't really go close to 17 in training, but then would push 17, PB 1790, world silver medalist. Um, it, it's finding that bit bit extra. Um, and I really mm. try to try to sort of get that message across to people. And, and it's not, like, I, I honestly believe it's like, because, oh, they're so strong mentally in competition. I don't, I think it's about how you prepare for the competition. I think it really is. I think it's about about having a routine that, that you follow in the, in the days leading into that. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and let's just touch on the Olympics as well. The, the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. Yeah. Um, There's not much to touch, touch on. No, not, 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 not such a good one that for you. though, was it out in the qualifiers for that one. Yeah. So what happened? Mm. I was at Crystal Palace um, three weeks before. And cut long story short, there's well, this picture you can see me holding my calf. I ripped my cilius, my calf muscle. Um, was yeah. I look back and I mean, I won't say I'm in t- I could be in tears over it, but I had a real, real chance. Um, I've just finished second at the world indoors previous. I was coming into shape, mm-hmm. and it was my right calf muscle. And um, cut long story short, it was a bad tear. I got a scan on it, um, and I, I didn't fly out. Well, I missed the opening ceremony. I was rehabbing in Britain. I flew out sort of two days beforehand. Um, amazing physio, a guy called Mark Young at the time. He, yeah. I owed the Olympics to him, really. Um, but I just I just hadn't done anything for three weeks. He, my, my leg was perfect. He, he did an amazing job on me. But, I mean, the, the tear was, was significant and, and um, just wasn't, wasn't to be. And I think with qualification, you only get three jumps. And I think, you know, maybe if it had been rounds where, you know, I, I could have been a 100-metre sprint with a PB of, you know, 9.95, or I could have sort of, you know, got through with a little bit, you know, 10.5 in the first round. But I needed to come out there and jump over eight metres and qualify, and it just what yeah, what, what wasn't to be. And it was a great shame. Uh, it really was. And, you know, it's 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 it, it, it's gone. But, I mean, how old many years is that now? 15 years ago? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it... it, 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 it if I jumped, I think 8.25, I probably would have been second in that one. Um, but mm. yeah, yeah, OK, OK. And you, you switched to Frank Atto after that, didn't you, after those Olympics as well? Yeah, so I actually, to yeah. to Greg uh, Rutherford, that is, uh, mm. in the um, Olympic Village. And, sort of, and at the time, I just moved to London. And sort of said, oh, yeah, why don't, why don't we sort of train together? And um, I think I was at quite a low point. I turned sort of 26 at that particular time. And I just probably needed needed a bit of a change um so yes i, I switched over to frank and and uh trained um with a great group there and um, had great great friends uh likes of larry cheeky uh trisha smith yami adama you know there's lots of youngsters coming through um cola um michael pump lampoo nathan fox and it was a great few years i i, I genuinely probably when i look back at all the years they were they were some of the some of the best years and I mean, I was only with Frank four or five years, but I think I jumped eight twenty in every season. You know, yeah. I just thirty five British records, um, got medal at Europeans, Olympic finals, World finals. Uh, yeah, it was 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 a real good time in life as well. I was living in London, uh, bought a flat in a lovely area, and yeah, like 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 life was very different. <laughs> I've got a great life now, and uh, obviously I've moved. You know, I, I, unfortunately I haven't stayed in the sport. Um, but I've got a great life now. Um, but at that particular point, it was yeah, I was living a good life. Exciting play. Uh, obviously, London 2012 was on the horizon there, and it was it, yeah. was, it was it was really uh, it, it, all eyes were on that. And you were, you were, I mean, there were good years for you, weren't they? Like you say, you you got a bronze in the 2010 2010 Europeans, so you were you were on track, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was on, yeah, I was on I was on track, and I think 2011. And I broke the British record 835, um, and then I had a. a, a Stupidly, I'm, I'm. What did I do? Forgotten what I did now. I was at my knee. Can't remember. I'm, yeah, I thought. It's like all the injuries blowing to one. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can tell how much I think about my athletics. You know, I mean, it's one of 
one of those ones. Anyway, I had an operation on my knee. Um, I think it was a ten, tendon. Anyway, I had an operation, and uh, this was this was in the like the September time, and it should have been. I thought it would have been better in the October, uh, November, and then it still wasn't better. December, January, right the way through. Missed the indoor season, came back, um, managed to sort of scrape into the the, the Olympic team, jumping over eight meters, and then then sort of scraped into the Olympics, um, scraped through the the, the qualification. Um, and then I got into the final and then I probably at that particular point, um, I mean, nobody was jumping well on that particular night. There was only Greg jumping well. And I always remember my, my wife was here and she, she came down and she was like, look, just put a safe jump in, you know, put a safe jump in. You know, I think 812 got a medal. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I think I jumped 807. It was, it was a really, just one of those days that just no one was firing and Greg had jumped 831 and was winning it. And, and I remember Mitchell Watt, and he wasn't. I mean, he was jumping eight forties, eight fifties, day in day out. I think the the um, was the Russian there. Oh, there was a few of the few of the people, and the Swedish guy. And we were all we were all just really struggling. And I should have just put a safe jump in. Um, when I say safe jump, I'm, yeah, probably eight, ten, eight, fifteen, somewhere around there. Would have would have got me a medal. Um, but I didn't. I just kept pushing and pushing. And it was a case of because I was probably so far off it. That I almost got carried away and got a bit carried away in the moment, and and you know I ended up I think I jumped eight or seven and I had a backup of eight or six, and if I'd maybe done things slightly differently, um, I probably could have you know jumped in eight fifteen. I ended up jumping I think eight eighteen a few weeks after up in Newcastle, um, so it was probably in the body, but just just didn't quite fire on the night, uh, and you know it was, you know fair play to Greg, obviously he 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 jumped in eight thirty and. And won and won the competition and 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 it sort of went from there and then I think my career from that point onwards I, I think the following you know the following year I jumped eight twenty and then oh no actually that's a lie I jumped eight twenty odd in two thousand thirteen and then eight twenty something in two thousand fourteen and then twenty fifteen I started to decline a bit from then mm. and then mm. yeah drifted drifted out of probably love as well of the sport and after twenty sixteen. Yeah. What was your, I mean, obviously you touched upon Greg winning the Olympics there. What was your? I mean, it wouldn't be human not to feel a bit of, you know, strange disappointment because your domestic rivals won the ultimate prize. How did you deal with that? Uh, I mean, it, 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 you know, it's very much it is what it is. I think I think a lot of people at the time, you know, tried to make something of it that, you know, it's like I didn't obviously win it. Greg obviously did win it. Um, it's always going to be something that was spoken about, and and, and I under I understand that it, it it's it it was a talking point, and I think we need I think for the sport to grow, I think it's important to try to have like you know friendly rivalry to have a little bit of I think people like that, you know I think you know when you when you watch it in in, in various sports and and obviously you know if anything I'm always going to be I'm not the sort of person who, who would ever sit on the fence if something I don't like or. Right though, wrongly. Mm. I mean, I don't have much to do with athletics now, apart from obviously when I talk about the transgender issues in, in sport, which I just think it's just, well, I think it's shocking. Um, and I'm, all, I'm, I'm never the sort of person who, who will always sit on the side. If, if, if something, if, if something's not right, I'm always going to just come in there, but bombard with my my opinions, right, rightly or wrongly. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, people I think probably went looking looking for for various issues, but. You know what? It's just all media, and you know, for me now, it's it's of no 
you know, the whole great rivalry thing. It's, you know, I, I have nothing to do with, with, with that world and I have not, you know, nothing to, to increase yeah. my attention on it. Yeah. Do, uh, do, do, is, is Greg someone you have a relationship with? Do you still speak to your old rivals no, or are you moved on? I don't really. Have a, I'm very, very close to um, Richard Kilty still. Good mates with Rick. Um, and there's various sort of few few of our friends I'll, I'll tweet or text um, from the athletics world, but it's a bit of a you know it, it, it's one of them. I, I now live in Middlesbrough, and the, you know a lot of the old. I'm, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I was on Twitter through the athletics, and I stayed on there. Um, so I still sort of keep in contact and got some. You know, it, it, it's a bit of a shame because I've got some amazing friends when I look back. Um, when I look back, we had some you know some of the funniest times. And going away, I don't, I don't know whether or not they have the same sort of uh, characters around nowadays. I don't think they, I don't think they're allowed. To, I don't think they're allowed around. <laughs> I think everybody's so sort of straight laced. But we had some good times before, before people videoed every single thing that that went on. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was. It's it. it I look back with, with with very fond memories. But yeah, I'm, I don't keep in, in touch with as many people as as, as I should. Uh, and I would regard them as sort of like. Some, some of my dearest friends, and we, had, we shared great times together. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, you talked about being on the circuit. I mean, you're a good 12 years in the circuit. What did you What did you enjoy most about that lifestyle? Oh, yeah, well, this, I mean, many people don't realise the sort of the, the, the background of athletics. You know, obviously, we, we, we talk about the interviews and we talk about the championships, but you're literally spending, you know, almost months and months of the year living out of a suitcase. So, so you would get, you know, I mean, I, I was, you know, roommates with, with like God Andy Turner for years and years, and you, know, you, you would almost be periods that you'd almost spend more time with. I'd spend more time with Andy than I would with my wife. You know, it was literally like like that. So you do, you get to you get to know people very well, um, and it, it, it it's good, you know. I, I think you're traveling the world, and and, and it, was, it was it was a relatively lucrative sort of occupation there I say back 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 in the day and we would travel all over and you know we we'd literally one one week we'd be in Paris and then you go from Paris to London and then you'd be in Monaco Diamond League and then you'd be up at Glasgow and then you'd come back and you'd have the trials and then you might have the world championships in Daegu or Doha and then you'd be back and it was great. I mean you, you really get to travel the world, you get to meet lots of people. Um and also when I was sort of coming up through the ranks and this is going back to sort of 2002 2003 a lot of people sort of sit in the hotel lobbies 
sausages before people would sort of like go off and you know just sit in front of the screens in, in the rooms and so you would get to sort of play cards with people from various different um sort of countries and backgrounds and and it really it really did sort of broaden horizons it, it, it was it was a great experience and who were, who were the athletes that you'd enjoy hanging around with then? And who was who was who was those interesting characters? You might, we might not get that impression on track, but we're quite quite you know, characters behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, I think some some of the um, when I first sat, kind of came sort of up through the ranks, and I was very fortunate. Well, a, a good friend of mine, a guy called Anthony Bosomato, uh, he was from Middlesbrough, founded Hurdler, went to the Olympic scene in Sydney. And and he was good friends with Chris Rawlinson. Um, so he had like Chris Rawlinson, and they were friends with um, Matt Douglas, another friend heard. And I guess mm. many might not have, have heard them. And um, Sean Baldock, and, mm. uh, and then sometimes it'd be like Alan Condon and people. And, and those guys would come in. We're going back twenty years, but they were. It was sort of they they were they were some of the funny characters. I've got to be honest. Uh, yeah, but I think so. <laughs> Dare I say, as it went on, I think it got more and more serious as the years. <laughs> I'm, I'm coughing now. I think as the years passed, I think I think sport became more and more serious. You probably see the same in football. I think uh, the drink party culture sort of gradually declined as as the, as the years as the years rolled on by. I mean, would there be competitive stuff going on off the track? Like if you were in a, in a hotel board, I don't know, a car, pop cards or darts or pool, but it get a bit, because you're all a bunch of competitive guys, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I remember prattling around once in the swimming pool in 2009. I think we were in um, training camp Monte Gordo. And I think there was a few people do. I remember doing some like standing long jumps and stuff in the swimming pool and I think one of the one of the athletes ended up tearing the hamstring the following day, which didn't which did, did, didn't didn't help much. That's for sure. Good, good, good. I've got another question for you. I asked this for I actually asked Andy Turner the same question. He's been on the podcast as well, but he, you know, he's, he's a good-looking lad. You're a good-looking lad, Chris. You're no, a good-looking I'll lad. No, I'll take that one. I need, I need my wife. It's it's a, it's a, well, it takes one to know one, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, so did you have any female admirers back in the day? Did you have any unsolicited approaches and the rest oh, of the Oh, I tell you what, they were, they were doing thick and fast for me. Thick and fast. Um, <laughs> no, I, I got with my wife when uh, I was at sixth form. Did you? Right, OK. Oh, right. And I've always, um, I've always been sort of a very loyal person. So, I um, yeah, I, I never I never sort of went down that path. Um, but, yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll tell everybody that I, I'll have had an absolute queue. Queue of women, women, women uh, asked me, but uh, no, it was uh, I'm a I'm a one woman um, person, mate. But uh, yeah, it was it was obviously you know there, there was there was goings on certainly back in the day, but not with me, that's for sure. Okay, okay. Um, and when did you have your haircut then, Chris? Because that was one of your uh, your trademark looks, that uh, yeah, hair. Yeah. So when I retired from athletics, and again, it's something I feel quite strongly about. Um, the, 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 I won't say I suffered, but I think the, I think what happens is is that you 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 grow up and literally from 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 the day dot you 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 focus on on athletics and you focus on athletics and and you you just totally seen as as you know Chris the long jumper Chris the long jumper Chris the long jumper mm. and then I retired and I was like whoa you know what what do I now do um. And and I, I went into um, don't ask me well, well there's a few stories about how I got involved in it but cut a long story short I'm um, was involved in sales and I had sort of this long straggly hair all over the place and I looked in the mirror and I thought oh 
can't pull this off now. <laughs> so, yeah. I, <laughs> I you can pull it off. I was like, Chris Longjumper could have pulled this off, but Chris the sales guy is going to have to look a little bit smart because in the ice cream world, literally, if someone says, oh, what do you used to do? And you say, oh, I used, to, I used to do a bit of sport. They go, all right, cool. And what's prices at? And what, they're not bothered. People are not bothered, you know. It's kind of, I, I chatted to um, some so, some sort of footballers. I won't name the names, but they were you know, Premier League level. And uh, I was explaining to them that when you when you sort of leave the world that you're in, so you're very much sort of like, you're the focus of, the, of, of, of a lot of the attention. And it's, you know, the... The, the relationship's very much centred around the athlete and it's and it's you know everything's done for you and you're, yeah. you're spoiled and, and you recognise this oh Chris the long jumper or Andy the hurdler and and then once you leave that world it's gone. No one yeah. cares. You know what I mean? And you've got yeah. to then re establish yourself and almost now sort of speaking about athletics, it's like it, my brain has to almost like open up to it because it's it's, 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 it's it's somewhere at the back. Etc. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, but a few athletes I've spoken to did did struggle a little bit with that adjustment, that identity, and that. Uh, you don't seem to the sort to overthink it, Chris. But a lot, you know, I did struggle with mental mental health and the rest. Was that anything? Was that something that? Oh yeah. You the experienced. Thing, the thing is, is it, 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 it's a lot of people sort of think that, you know, with the long hair and more kind of like, think that I'm some sort of relaxed, happy-go-lucky character. But in all honesty, you probably couldn't be further from the truth i'm probably more sort of obsessive relentless you know overthinker that you, you'll come across and when i retired from the sport in 2016 i i was i was very fortunate um, and what i i always i was advised um to in sort of invest in property and i always my, my sort of my dad said it at quite a young age so probably 2002 he said look when i first started signed for for asics to look by you know by at least one or two houses every year so I, I bought property so when I retired in 2016 I, I, I had sort of an income as such to <coughs> uh, to see me sort of through mm. but I mentally really really struggled um, and it's it, it's something that even even at 41 six over six six and a half years you still think about you know you're still and because you're never going to you know the highs and not that, that you go through you, you're never going to see you're never going to see it again you know what i mean i'm not going yeah i'm not going to walk out in front of 50 60,000 people and 70,000 people and do something you know that i love day in day out travel all over the world and you know ultimately you know it's all about yourself when you're an athlete so you wake up and you know if you're tired, you go to bed. Well, if I'm tired now, I just have to deal with the kids. I have to go to work. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're in the real world. You know what I mean? It, it's it's yeah. one of them. Um, so it is it is very it is very tough. And I think the the the, the, the issue that you can have is that no one's going to give you any sympathy. Um, and it's like you know, some of our friends are like, "Oh, did he dumbs, Chris? You don't you don't get to sort of travel the world. Did he dumbs? You don't get to do what you love. Did he dumbs? Yeah." Welcome to life, and you are you are sort of a bit like, oof, yeah, is 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 a, a serious come down. I mean, the first few months is amazing. You just like, you know, you put the weight on, you eat the you eat the junk food, you think, oh, this is class, and then the reality hits, and you're like, whoa. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously, I've been following the series, and 
and a lot of the sort of the ex-athletes and you know they speak about that and I I, I do think that that, that sometimes it, it should maybe not just in athletics I think in all sports I think a lot of a lot of a lot of sports people don't think about the mental state afterwards um and it is yeah it's tough there's no doubt about it because what makes you sort of generally quite successful as an athlete is is that sort of relentlessness that sort of obsessive nature and it's it's almost all most people have known and you recognize there's you know chris the long jump or andy the hurdler um and that goes and no one cares like no like i mean even even to to a degree now i, I was at the track i mean my local athletics track um and they were doing like long jump and I just sort of walked over for my kids and I was just watching them long jump and you know, no one has a clue. No one has, you know, it's like, you know, I was like, no one has a clue. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, at, middles, I'm, at, I'm at the middles for long jump pit, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, do you want me? Who's this, who, who's this top back guy? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, I used to do this. I was quite, you know, like, you know, these kids jumping five metres and I'm there going, I used to be quite good at that, you know, because no yeah. one knows because it's like even... You know, even my kids thought I'd really have a clue. You know, it's like, it was all, yeah. you know, oh, Daddy, are, are you on YouTube? I'm like, well, there might be a few clips on it, but it was another world away. Um, yeah. And yeah. you have to, it's really difficult. You have to sort of move, move on. But one thing I would say to a lot of, a lot of people retiring, if they, uh, if they put half amount of the energy into, into the right occupation um, with that sort of drive, determination, relentlessness confidence um they'll, they'll be okay the will will be they'll be okay but it is it is um it's, it, it it can be can be quite tough yeah yeah and you say you've got your property but you've also it does sound like you've managed to carve a niche for yourself in ice cream of all things as well you've got an ice cream bit i mean that is an unusual career change from athletics no, to ice cream no, isn't it no no good 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 point yeah so so i mean it's rather amusing now that when i'm in the athletics world Everyone's like, you what? You do ice cream? And then when I'm in the ice cream world, they're like, uh, what? You used to do athletics? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. I think I think my Twitter profile. Go look, look, look. That's me there. You know, I show people. Um, but yeah, I. So basically, I went with, uh, like I said, investing in property, rightly or wrongly. But I think, I think you know, I, I used to sort of yeah, don't, used to have a nice life. Me, sort of, you know, nice holidays and things to do during athletics. But you don't live, you don't need that much. You know, I used to get given a free car. I used to, um, used to get, you know, all my kit was free. I used to, you know, only really go for meals and I didn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I used to get free watches. I used to, everything was kind of like done for you. So, um, I used to always have a little bit of money left over. So I invested in property, um, rightly or rightly or wrongly, um. And then when I retired in 2016, I had my uh, badge and personal training and I used to go around a lot of schools um, coaching, used to do lots of sort of public speaking, lots of coaching, personal training. Um, and that was what I was planning on doing. And then my brother-in-law um, sort of, well, actually, the story was I went to an event and it was um, like um, it was through Sports for Schools, which was a great event. And it was a company that used to go around a lot of the schools and, and we used to go around and we used to um, talk to um, give speeches. And, and they had like a workshop day 
and one of the workshops that I attended I had to sing and I was like trust me I was like I don't sing you <laughs> know one of those ones sing and, uh, yeah I sing and I, <laughs> I'll never forget it I was having a good friend Chris Kirkwood who's a trainer brilliant lad and yeah. uh He's 790 long jumping, and we were there singing sort of Pharrell Williams because I'm happy. And I'm there like singing, I'm going, Arthur, what am I doing here? And I'd sort of retired, and I'm this workshop, and the guy who'd taken it was brilliant. Everybody involved with, with the scheme were brilliant, but I was like, what am I doing here? And um, and we got off the got off the phone and spoke to my wife, who chased went, Oh, morning, being away. You'll never guess what I've just done. She went, What? And I said, I said, just some Pharrell Williams because I'm happy. She said, You what? I've just sung. She went, I went, oh, I think that must have been the lowest point in my life. That's <laughs> <laughs> enough. I, I think a, a pretty low point for people that heard it, I imagine, Chris. Yeah, well. pretty low point for people as well. I, I think I probably hit 16 stone by that particular point as well. And uh, being retired four or five months, and she said, oh, look, my, you know, my father-in-law's retiring. Um, my brother-in-law's, you know, he's in the business. Why don't you give Tony a ring? So, um, well, you know, he, want, he wants... You know, he wants to see if you, you know, if, if you fancy having a go. So anyway, I kind of um, rightly or wrongly went out, got some food with Tony, and, and uh, I was like, oh, okay, come on then, let's let's give it a go. And um, still did a bit of personal training, a bit of coaching, going around various skills and in the business. And then over the last sort of you know three four years, it's kind of it's it, it's taken off, and uh, there's. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's nice. There's there's nice advantages about it, um, certainly, but there's also disadvantages as well. And I don't, I, I love to get more involved in the coaching, um, but it's it's with the kids and and work. It's something that I, I want to keep involved with, and I, but it's 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 something that it's 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 difficult, you know. And and I I I, I feel like like um. Yeah, I've still got sort of a lot to offer in the coaching, but just at the moment, it's it's, yeah. it's, quite, it's quite sort of difficult um, because so, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had so many amazing coaches I surrounded myself with, and it's it's I, I sometimes like wonder why I was never being asked by anyone at British Athletics to sort of you know I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but you know I, I surrounded myself with well I said earlier in the conversation Gary Triple Jump eighteen twenty nine. Guy who triple jumped 18, whatever Christian's done, 18, 90. Guy who triple jumped um, 17, 90. A girl who long jumped seven metres, myself. Like, you know, the coaches, I've had, you know, the best coaches in the world, and, you know, from sort of 2002 up to 2016. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure that I've got some knowledge somewhere racked up in the back of the brain. Uh, mm. And I'd love to sort of help out. But obviously, coaching is such a. Um, uh, a time-consuming thing, uh, but I'd love to sort of mentor or, or help out in some some capacity. That's for sure. So you've got you've got the ice cream business, and there's, there's an Italian link there, isn't there? Because your 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 wife's Italian, isn't she? She's got an Italian wife's background. Italian. Yeah, and your kids yeah, have got Italian names, don't they, as well? Yeah, yeah. So my well, my yeah. eldest is an Italian name, but Raphael. Okay. That's I don't Raphael. know what Raphael is, but but Vincenzo, my my uh, middle child, and my daughter's Valentina. Uh, so yeah, they're Italian names. Um, so yeah, so I'm sort of surrounded by Italians at the moment. I've just been at an ice cream exhibition surrounded by Italians as well. So I'm all Italian out at the moment. <laughs> Continuously whinging about the rain and the cold, and oh, oh, it's nice to be back in England. Oh, good, good, good. And, and back in England, you're also a big fan of Middlesbrough, aren't you? A big fan of the, the Borough FC, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, 
I, I'm linked to it. I mean, I say I'm, I say I'm a big. Everyone sort of says, "Oh, you're a big Millsview fan." I mean, I'm a season ticket holder. Uh, I think I'm, I, I think I'm a winger. I think I'm a, a big football winger. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm a season ticket holder. I go down there. My, my, my eldest son's got a ticket uh, as well, so we go down. It's a bit. It's almost like a culture thing where we are. Um, you know, people are very, very into the football. Um, and yeah, it's 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 good. I've been, I've had some good times, and I still regard when when Middlesbrough um, qualified for, for the UEFA Cup final, Stalbuka rest, and we were four one down, and it's you know I was fortunate enough to be there. Dare I say, it was still one of the greatest nights of my life ahead of yeah, Al births and Olympic finals, and just to be you know just to be in there at that particular moment, Massimo Macaroni scored the goal. It was uh, yeah, it was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I remember that. Funnily enough, I was living with a guy from uh, Middlesbrough at the time, um, oh, yeah. Mr. Flatmate, and we watched the semi-final together. And he was going crazy, and he had to go to the final, obviously. I assume you went to that final, didn't you? The UEFA Cup. Yeah, final. I went yeah. to that final. Yeah, there was no. Yeah, there was no so. But uh, I, I won't, I won't tell you how I got a ticket, but I managed to get, I managed <laughs> to get a ticket. Um, and uh, yeah, I got a ticket and flew over there. I mean, to be honest with you, I can't remember much of the match. I think I started drinking about half past six in the morning uh, so and, and I was an athlete back then so I couldn't drink half as much as I can now so I was probably wasted by lunchtime it was an eight o'clock kickoff um but basically um yeah we, we were outclassed by Seville uh, but it was a great it was a great experience and we probably you know my generation witnessed Middlesbrough um in UEFA Cup final and winning the Carling Cup and the chances are I mean my kids will never witness that now. Um, it's probably, you know, that you, you almost need to be a, mul- a multi. Speak my kids just screaming about you. <laughs> um, but my, um, you know, you've got to be a multi-billionaire, not even just a billionaire now to to to, to take, you know, football teams. Well, maybe Leicester City did it, but to take them uh, to that, but yeah, they probably won't do that. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a good experience, that's for sure. Good, good. I heard your kids in the background. Have you passed on some of the athletic ability? Uh, yeah, so, so I'm not, a, I'm not sort of a, a pushy parent by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think it's, it's, it's about finding what they like to do. I mean, it's, it's football have got it sewn up, up where we are. Um, football, they get them at young ages, you know, three, four, five year old, and they get them involved. And I think athletics, it, 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 it I don't know. I feel sort of quite passionate about it. I don't know quite what's wrong, but we we need to start to get the get the kids involved early on. And I mean, football, for example, you, you know, you go down on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and the various football fields on are in and around Teesside, and it's just scattered with kids. And so basically, it's it's. I think football have got it wrapped up, and I think for some reason, athletics. It's I I, I when when I was sort of coming away from it, what I always felt that we need to make athletics more professional and mm. you know i've got i've got three youngsters um my daughter's just been dancing we paid for that my other football my other son went to football we paid for that my other son the goalkeeping we paid for that we pay for swimming lessons um if they want to go to gymnastics we pay for that so all the coaches have some get some form of money now in athletics we have a lot of people who retire from athletics and they're hugely knowledgeable, but they're not getting like it, it's like it's difficult to turn around and go, Look, I'm, I'm 36 year old, I've got 
two, three children. Well, look, I'm not going to make a fortune, but if I can go and get, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds an hour doing a bit of athletics coaching for two, three hours a night, three times a week, I would do it. But in athletics, it's just amateur. And mm. we're not, like, we've got to go with the times. And, and, and it's like, if you do go down there and, and people are starting to charge their athletes, it's like, oh, someone's will charge his athletes. And I think it's, 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 it's making us almost fall behind other sports. And we're losing a lot of good athletes and a lot of good coaches because it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to turn around to your wife or to your husband and say, look, I'm going to go out for three, four nights a week. I'm then going to be away, you know, 50% of the weekends. And I'm going to bring absolutely no money to the table for doing that. Whereas if, you know, I mean, I've got friends who do football coaching. I've got friends who do who 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 do general fitness coaching. And everybody... Everybody pays in that. And I'm not saying huge amounts of money, but, you know, if my, my kid wants to go to goalkeeper coaching, it might be eight, nine pound a session. Well, that's fine. I pay eight, nine pound a session. And there might be another four, five, six, seven other children there. That's fine. It's not a problem. And I don't think many people would have a problem with it in athletics. And I, I just think that it, it, it's something that I would... Uh, it... it, it it really, I feel quite strongly about it that we that we need to as a sport try like try to sort of say that look this is how we're going to do it moving forwards. Whereas there's too many older people who have sort of said, well I never got paid. It's like well okay that's great for you, but times are different now and and it's almost like who can who you know let's be honest with you as a as a thirty as a thirty eight year old thirty nine year old forty year old who can turn on and go well actually I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. My, like I said, my wife and husband three, four times a week and go and coach and not get paid. It's difficult. It's difficult to justify that in this day and age. And yet, you know, if I'm going to, you mentioned, Chris, that you've obviously got twins, yeah. boy and a girl. Yeah. You know, if, you're, if your daughter wants to go and play play, play tennis, you're yeah. going to have to pay for that. Yeah. If your son wants to go and play golf, you're going to have to pay for that. You know, but you accept that. But yet in athletics... It's sort of almost like left behind the times. And I think if you did just, I'm not saying, you you know, we're going to have millionaire coaches. I'm not saying that at all. But I think if you just, you know, if you just said just a little bit to at least say, well, you know what, it covers my costs. So it covers my petrol, it covers my running of a car. And once a week I can take my partner out for a meal on yeah. a Friday night. You know, we're, yeah. not, we're not asking for the world. No. Um, no, there'll, no. Be, there'll be a lot of older people probably listening to this podcast. And they're probably saying, "Oh yeah, but I never got paid." And I'm like, "Well, that's good for you, but we right. need to we need to move forward because we're losing hugely gifted and knowledgeable athletes. And unless like your kids, are, I mean, my my daughter's you know really quick, like really fast. You know, she's tall, she's mm. strong, very athletic. If she gets involved in athletics, and of course I can take her down and I can coach three, four times a week with her, and I can take her all over the country, and I would do that." Yeah. But it's difficult to justify that. Yeah. So people's children, when when you're 39, 40, 41, I'm working 50, 55 hour weeks and I've got all the other responsibilities. And I'm sure people will, will would slag me off listening to this. Mm. But I just think that we need to sort of we need to kind of move with the other sports. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting point. I think the um um and I think if it's 
if like you say, you take your kids down to the athletics club and it is, it is still an amateur experience. It hasn't changed in, in God knows how many years, decades, really. The, the whole experience is. And I think because it's, uh, if they were to charge, you know, suddenly you would put a value on it. If, if they're not charging, then it's not it's not a valuable commodity, is it? That, that expertise yep. they're giving you. But but actually, and it's, it's not about me, this podcast, not about my, my life. But I see my boy, like, for example, and uh, and he plays football. And even to my untrained eye, I can see that his, his um, running ability could massively be benefited by an athletics coach that would help his football. Uh, so I'd be willing to pay for that, for him to be a better, you know, to be more physically literate. And not, not that he's terrible, he's, he, you know, he, but he, he's like me, his, his arms and legs flare around a little bit. And if he had an ex an expert he'd be able to just get the bits taught the fundamentals which we do appreciate people want to pay for swimming and i do as well because it's a life skill but actually running's a life skill as well isn't it yeah, no, absolutely. i mean so I, th- I think i think i think you did right and and, and it's, it's something that almost gets unspoken about in athletics i'm sure there's some point in your in your careers when you get as you climb the ranks where i'm sure you have to have some awkward conversations with coaches themselves who i mean so you have to pay your your elite coaches didn't you at some 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 level did you how did it work? Uh, we, I was fortunate. I was fortunate enough that that um, that my coaches were sort of employed through British Athletics for most of it. Yeah. But I mean, I, I I think it's still. I think there's a lot of elite athletes who are making money and the coaches don't get paid. And I mean, I think that I just think that it's it, it's something that we really need to 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 move move to move forwards. And I mean, when like I said, I'm not saying we need to start. You know, coaches need to be be paying the earth. But you know, if I've got if I've got a talented child, or, or if I'm an adult, you know, I mean, my my you know, wife will say personal trainer, and and, and she goes and she pays money to for that personal trainer. Mm. But yeah, if I'm going to go and join a running group, um, I'm not going to pay the coach. You know, it seems it seems mm. ludicrous that that it's just it, it it it's a sport that, and I talked to some of the footballers about it. And they can't even get their head around it. They're like, because because in you know in all sports you sort of pay that. And I know that people turn around and go, oh yeah, but so and so can't afford it, and so and so can't. Afford it. And I understand that that there'll be a lot of people who potentially can't afford it. But therefore, you can make allowances for that individual if if they're from mm-hmm. a particular background. And it's like, you know, if I was an athletics coach and I was charging, suppose I. 10 kids and I was saying right for every child that comes along I'm going to charge you four pound five pound something like that and you know there's a kid there and and, and you knew that there wasn't much money around well that's you just turn a blind eye you know yeah. but you know you I just think that I think it's it's a it's, it's great how it was done but we do need to you know I think we need to look look left and look right and and I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm sat here talking to you because I was fortunate enough that I had great coaches from an 11 year old right the way through. But if I mm. didn't have coaches and the support, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you. You know, yeah. I, wouldn't, I never would have made it. Um, and I think we I think one of the problems I did see through British athletics all the way through is <coughs> the level that we, we place on elitism. And it's constantly about medals and, 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 you know, it's almost like now it's like if you're not Olympic medalists, British athletics don't even want to know. And I think mm. like, we need to start looking at the grassroots. We need, you know, we're not, you know, if we, if we start just looking after 
more grassroots and, and, and I think just funnel people through. Um, but, you know, you get performance directors come in and they obviously get paid large amounts of money and it's all bonus related and how many medals you get on the next picks. Yeah. And, and and as a result, it's just short term. It's just short term, short term, short term, short term. Yeah. I don't see too many people really looking at the at the greater good of the sport of athletics. And yeah. I, I sometimes do, when I have a conversation like this, I think maybe I should do more. I should yeah. do, do more sort of fighting fight in the corner. But I don't know where you'd even start. I don't know. I don't, no. even, I don't know how you go in there and say, right, how are we going to change this sport? Because yeah, what who gets employed is on, on in, in the performance sector. It's I love it. Well, it's performance. We're not bothered. It's Olympic medals. And whereas I think if I was to ever do it, well, I wouldn't do a job like that. But if I was to ever do a job like that, I'd probably have a slightly different, um, a different approach. Yeah, it's a, it's a broader conversation. I think I think it goes to, but but the culture that's come about, and it's I think it's UK sport downwards where we are. I love the Olympics and I watch it and it's great to see Britain doing well in, you know, winning athletics medals, kayak sprint medals, whatever they are, you know, I enjoy it. But then um, you think, actually, what we've, what we've created in this country is, um, you know, a system where, you know, people are hot housed and these great elite level systems there to win medals at the Olympics. But actually, <laughs> the other end of the sport, less people are active, more people are obese, you know. Yeah. What, 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 have we got our priorities wrong in this? You know, and some of these Olympic medalists, you know, not in athletics, but they come, they come out and come out. They're quite anonymous. Some gold medalists. You think? Yeah. Actually, is that the right amount? Is that where the money should go? Yeah, a bigger conversation, but uh, you know. Yeah, I like to see. Ultimately, I think I'd like to. I like to see sort of a, a change in the coach and setups. And I think if we could make it a little bit more professional, like you see in tennis, like you see in golf, like you see in mm. swimming, um, like you see in football. Um, and the amount of people who come up to me now, I mean, you know, on a weekly basis, and they say just, you know, like you said earlier with your with your son, you know, oh my son, my son's son is a great footballer, or he's a, he's a, he's a great um, rugby player. Can you teach him how to do some running? And I mean, okay, I, 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 yeah, I used to do that, but um, and it's it, it, it you know running's still a, a massive key 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 point, but I think we're we're we're, we're probably digressing and it's such a performance-based culture and, and at, at the moment British athletics is just fo- fully focused on medals 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 and it's almost like and what I always say well yeah if you won an Olympic medal British athletics want to fund you but if you won an Olympic medal you'll have sponsors crawling all over you so you don't need the money it's like yeah. they're giving money to people who don't need it yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. Good. Well, we could talk all night, Chris, but uh, but uh, you've got kids to look after. I've got kids to look after as well. Now. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I really appreciate your time tonight. I really no appreciate problem. it. Um, yeah, I like listening to, listening into the podcast. So yeah, it's great. Oh, good, good. Thanks, thanks, and and uh, yeah, and, and before we go, how would you how would you sum up your career? I mean, yeah, I'm having to, I'm asking you to look into the back of your brain again, but how, how do you look back now and remember it all? Uh, I I mean, even now after I retired six years, I. I look back with, with, with probably a bit of disappointment. Um, there's bits there. I mean, I look back at some really good times, uh, and I also look back with certain sort of opportunities that I think, oh, I wish I'd done this different. I wish I'd done that different. Uh, but then on the other hand, when I go to the football ground and I see twenty thousand people coming out, I think God, I used to go out in front of fifty thousand people. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely high, definitely highs and lows. Uh, as a whole, I'm I'm glad I did it. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, so yeah, I, I can't I can't sum it up in, in one word. I probably can't sum it up in one sentence. But generally speaking, I uh, I really enjoyed it, and 
I think to represent the country or England and Great Britain, I think 55 or 60 times, I think I did it. So, uh, yeah, it was probably, it, it was pretty good, that's for sure. Good, good stuff. Great. Well, it was always, uh, always, always fun uh, meeting you at events and stuff. You're always a good company. So thanks. Thanks for that as well, Chris. And, and still good company today as well. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate <laughs> that, Chris. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to Athletics Life Stories with Chris Broadbent. Please tell your friends and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.